Zorro.com is where you'll find everything you need for businesses of any size and almost any industry. They have tools, equipment, and supplies for everything you need. Whether you need stuff for industries like electrical, plumbing, contracting, manufacturing, or more, Zorro's got it from brands you know and trust. And Zorro.com offers amazing customer service from real people based in the U.S. Visit Zorro.com slash NFL, Z-O-R-O.com slash NFL in all lowercase letters to sign up for Zmail and get 15% off your first order. Welcome to Daniel Jones season and welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast on the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined as always by my co-host, my co-Danny, the hero we need and the fantasy analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight Danny Kelly. DK, what is on your mind? Uh, man, I'm just kind of thinking about how cold it is. I'm up here in Seattle. It's uh, I had to turn on the heat for the first time today. It's, it feels like fall. Football is back. It's kind of a good thing. Well, you're it's, a, it's a little bit bittersweet. You're a dad yeah. now, so by DNA, you just start messing around with the thermostat, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, But yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of getting back into the groove of the NFL season. It feels good, though. Fatherhood looks good on you, DK. You're all, <laughs> also joining the studio by Craig Rollback. What is on your mind, Craig? I'm just worried now that Daniel Jones is in the mix. Is he going to become the third member of Danacy? He could wow. come on this yeah, show. Yeah, we could kick you off. I know. I got to change my name to Dan Stat. <laughs> no, it's no. You're, you're, you either know or you know. You're not. You can't just be a Dan. You're born a Dan, or you're not. Gotcha. All right. Well, you watch out, Craig. We can get. Can we get? We'll, we'll get Daniel Jones on to replace you eventually. Um, we're going to be diving into everything you need to know. Who to add? Who to drop? Spoiler, Daniel Jones. Uh, which performances are real, which are fake. But before we get into that, we're going to do our what's of the week, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is the stories and stat lines we looked at on Sunday and said, what? So, DK, what was your what of the week? I mean, it's the obvious one. Uh, Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger both got hurt this week, adding to a growing list of starting quarterbacks who are out for extended periods of time and or the whole season. Um, so, you know, obviously first off big Ben, he is done for the year with a right elbow injury. Uh, he got hurt in the first half of the Seahawks game against the Seahawks this week. And yeah, so now, so now there, that has obvious fantasy implications. Yeah, that's really, it was really weird. I mean, you have Roethlisberger with this right elbow injury and then he's out for the year and then Drew Brees does it. And then Eli Manning, we'll see. Maybe he's going to get benched. So you have <laughs> three quarterbacks with combined 48 years. And even <laughs> Rodgers got a little bit injured for yeah, a second. Yeah, Rodgers. I mean, it's just. Oh, his hand, right? Yeah. Really yeah. strange. And then you combine it with, I mean, Andrew Luck retired, which feels like 10 years ago. Um, Darnold has mono. And then there's just, <laughs> what you, the- look, you look around the league and just, you're like, oh, it's week two and you have all these. Trevor Simeon's young, everywhere. Yeah, all the young guys are coming up. It feels like a real changing of the guard. And then also, really weird thing, the Roethlisberger injury was almost 15 years to the day that Tommy Maddox hurt his right elbow and Roethlisberger started. That's how Roethlisberger's mm. career mm. began, was an elbow injury in September 19th, and this happened on September 15th, so weird. Craig, you are you are a Steelers fan, correct? Uh, yes, unfortunately, for 2019. Uh, <laughs> what, how are you in the market? This whole thing? <laughs> um, I mean, it sucks that... I, I don't know if I actually like Josh Jobs better than Mason Rudolph or not, but th- right. I'm kind of okay with us just bottoming out now and winning three <laughs> games and trying to get in the QB sweepstakes. 
Do you think that this is it for Ben Rosberger now? No. Because he's, he's threatened retirement a few times over the years, or at least it's kind of come out in the press that he was thinking about retirement, right? I still think, yeah, I still think while the team has the talent that it does, that he's going to want to stay for at least a year or two and try it one more time. All right. So, but yeah, more the- specifically, what, what does this mean for fantasy purposes? What does it mean for Juju? Uh, what does it mean for uh, Connor? I guess... What is the overall fantasy impact? The, the big picture for me is that it makes everyone's ceiling go down significantly. Um, Danny, what's, your, what's kind of your thought on how, how it affects Juju? I mean, I already regret not fading Juju more to begin the year because I think that it's, it's not that he's struggled, but just that it's like he's not playing alongside Antonio Brown anymore. And I mean, aside right. from everything off the field with him, he's re- Brown is a receiver, has been really good enough for opposing defensive coordinators to focus on Antonio Brown and not Juju, and he thrived in his second role. And now that Juju is by far the best receiver on this team, and really the only viable receiving option who's proven production in the past, he just right. hasn't been the same. He had five catches for 84 yards on Sunday against the Seahawks. That's not bad. It's just he was like a second-round pick this year. So I don't think that that's going to get necessarily better as they go forward. Um, so it's just really tough. And then we're going to get to James Conner in a second because he, he also kind of tweaked his ankle but it's just it, it's tough I think it lowers the ceiling for everyone the Steelers as you said I'm excited to see what happens with Mason Rudolph I mean he has looked good in the preseason over the last couple of years it changes the way that the Steelers offense runs which could potentially actually benefit Juju we'll see when you see runs you mean metaphorically running as it operates or literally running? yeah operates so across the NFL I think this is a very fascinating sort of thing Teams are using play action at a higher rate than ever, or not maybe not ever, but over the last five years, it, the play action rate has increased around the league. But for some reason, the Steelers almost never use play action. Ben, ben, Big Ben just doesn't like play action for whatever reason. Maybe he doesn't like turning his back to the to the defense. Maybe he just doesn't like, I don't know what it is, but... Um, over the last few years, like the Steelers have been among the league, lead, amongst the league's worst or slowest, or not slowest, but least uh, likely to use play action, and so I think that that's going to go up a whole bunch. Um, I saw from Rich Reber, Rebar uh, that Rudolph used play action on thirty percent of his dropbacks yesterday, um, so that was a big jump compared to Big Ben, who's done it like fifteen percent of the time since twenty fourteen. So. I don't know. It's going to be kind of fun to see how it changes that offense and how they operate and the scheme that they use. Um, so there is, I guess, the small chance that that could benefit some of the receivers as like you you get deep deep passes on play action, you get touchdown like passes down the field on play action, things like that. So um, overall, though, I think it does lower everybody's ceiling. You know, like fantasy wise. Our colleague Roger Sherman says Mason Rudolph is better than Ben. I think he is the only one, though, so <laughs> probably not great. And then another one that this is, I mean, even more of a downgrade. So Drew Brees hurt his thumb. Uh, you might have seen the video clip going around, but basically went to grip a football, just couldn't. He tore, I'm not yeah. sure if tore is the right term, but it's a tendon injury. He has surgery. It's going to miss roughly six weeks. And then, you know, he's 40 years old. Like, it's this is a tough injury. Teddy Bridgewater stepped in, went 17 completions and 30 pass attempts for 165 yards. Saints lost 27-9. It was the second fewest passing yards the Saints have had in a loss since 2013. And it's the first game the Saints offense did not have a touchdown since December of 2016. And it's just the fourth time the Saints offense has not had a touchdown in the Breeze-Sean Payton era. Um, And it affected them across the board. You know, Alvin Kamara had 13 carries for 45 rushing yards. 
Latavius Murray had five carries for seven yards. Ted Ginn, <laughs> now a deep threat on a team that is starting Bridgewater, is not really a deep ball passing guy. Um, right. This is real. It's really tough for the Saints' offense. I mean, what do you do with like Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara? Like, what do you do with these guys now, DK? Yeah, I mean, it, it changes the way that I think teams will have to defend the Saints. I mean, before we, when you have Breeze, I mean, he he's so precise. He throws with so much anticipation. Um, he can really make you pay if you start cheating up towards the line of scrimmage. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case with Bridgewater, who has been pretty conservative. Sort of, you know, like I. People throw out the game manager term, and I think sometimes it's inaccurate. But he's he's been a game manager over his career, you know, kind of like a low A dot, um, low yards per attempt kind of guy. And so by A dot, you mean average depth of target, right? Yeah, sorry. And I think it changes the dynamic of the Saints' offense. That you don't have to defend as much of the field necessarily, you know, and and it that could change their ability to run the ball. Like teams might kind of start creeping up into the box and, and start focusing more on, on the Saints run game because the Saints do have a very good run game that they can lean on. But I just think overall, um, you're looking at the Saints offense becoming, you know, significantly less efficient. Yeah, I mean the Saints offense operates with Breeze. He Breeze can't throw as deep anymore. It just he just can't. So he's compensated for that by within the range he can reach, he's become the most accurate key point thrower in the league. And he's also the most decisive other than maybe Brady. And now you have Gets rid of the ball fast. Yeah, too. Not, exactly. So now we, Bridgewater is neither nearly as accurate as Breeze, not a deep ball thrower, and not as decisive. So it kind of really does change their whole offense and their running game too. It's not just the passing. You're not as effective of a running game when a quarterback isn't going to be able to uh, exploit, you know, hedging toward the run as much. So it's really, it's yeah. just really tough for everyone in the Saints. And um, the other wild card is, you know, you could potentially expect more Taysom Hill all right, packages. Wait. We have to talk about this for one second. Taysom Hill in two weeks has been blocking. He had like blocking defensive ends. He's lined up <laughs> as an outside receiver, not like some inside inline weird tight end flowback. Outside receiver in trips formations, running routes, caught two catches for like 16 or so yards this week. He's going to, he's a Teddy Bridgewater injury away from being a quarterback <laughs> that was blocking defensive ends for uh, th- that would actually be the coolest thing that's happened in like decades, a quarterback. So <laughs> more Taysom Hill for me is great, but uh, he would okay. be, you know, he would be DK. What's that? The next man up. Ah, so we're going to go into our next segment. <laughs> next man up. Segue, uh, we're going to run through segue. the rest of the injuries uh, from this week. Cause there were a lot, there were a lot of injuries this week. So we're going to, we're going to run through these. Starting off with just the Eagles pass catchers, you know, we use the word decimate a lot and decimate means (laughs) like you lose a tenth of something. The Eagles had 10 players leave this game or get testing, which is like, geez, a fifth. (laughs) I don't even know what the word for that is. But so Alpha Sean Jeffrey left with a calf. He had no fantasy points. Deshaun Jackson left with a groin injury. Dallas Goddard also left with a calf injury, who's the backup tight end to Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz was shaken up but stayed in the game. Nelson Aguilar got jacked up. Left, re-entered, dropped the game-winning touchdown, almost saved the game, but did not. Kicker Turner Corey Clement left with a shoulder injury. Defensive tackle Timmy Jernigan, who was replacing Malik Jackson. Jernigan then broke his foot, and then Wentz took a shot to the ribs and briefly left the game for Josh McCown. Yeah, But Wentz looked awful and had two interceptions. I believe he had negative fantasy points at halftime. And then Wentz obviously had rib... He's dealt with rib injuries before and then back as well. So not great to see him planted. Um, Sadiq, how does this, I mean, the, the Eagles pass catching went from maybe the deepest group in football to 
suddenly the thinnest with Mac Collins and JJ <laughs> Siegel Whiteside as a rookie just getting playing time. So I, uh, it boosts Zach Ertz, but what do you see happening here if Jackson and or Alshon miss extended time? And we don't know the yeah. extent of how long they're going to miss as of right now. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, like you said, the, the first and foremost, Ertz, I guess, becomes the primary target in that in that group, and he had 16 targets last week or on Sunday night, and then that was the most among any pass catcher in the NFL pending uh, Monday night football. So um, that kind of tells you exactly how the offense is going to run if those guys end up staying out. I think you know there, there's a chance that guys like Mac Hollins and JJ Arcega Whiteside. Uh, end up getting more playing time. Our Sega Whiteside actually did play a significant chunk of time in the game. Didn't get uh, much looks, many looks, but I think that could change, you know, as time goes on. And then of course, Aguilar, Aguilar, if he, if he ends up playing and stays in there, he's another guy that's just going to get a lot of targets because um, they just don't really have anyone else. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm guessing those guys probably won't miss a ton of time, but it's definitely a situation to monitor. Yeah, it's important to note that Ertz had so many catches last year. He was second in the league in catches with 116, second only to Michael Ham- Thomas, above, uh, ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. And that was part because Alshon Jeffrey missed time in the beginning of the year. So this is suddenly yeah. he's in the same position or similar. Um, another person got dinged up, probably the biggest name of the week, James Conner on the Steelers, who we mentioned earlier, but Conner exited with a knee injury. Uh, Mike Tomlin sh- was didn't share a ton. We don't know how severe it is right now, but ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported that uh, multiple teammates believe it's not that serious of an injury. Uh, his backup, Jalen Samuels, um, he he only had three rushes for 18 yards, one catch for 13 yards, and he had almost had a really cool acrobatic touchdown, but he caught it out of bounds. And then Connor <laughs> had 21 carries for 54 yards, a touchdown, and then Connor had seven catches for 56 yards. Uh, those are through two games. Um not a great season for Connor so far, but not great for any Steelers so far. No, right. James Connor also just said on a radio show, 937 The Fan, that he's confident he's going to play Sunday and there are no tears or anything significant with his knee. Okay, and he did have that ankle injury that uh, sapped him through kind of the end of last year as well. So for fantasy then, purposes, it's just kind of a worst case scenario because he's going to play, but he's probably not going to be 100%. There's now no Ben Roethlisberger and Jalen Samuels is probably going to eat into his time a little bit more. Yeah, so the offense is bad and Connor. So hurt. I would view James Connor as like a low-end RB2 this week. Dep- if you have a really deep team, like you could bench James Connor and I wouldn't like f- lose my mind. No, I wouldn't either. I think you should treat him as kind of like a flex. Yeah. Unless you're really thin at running back. Especially because we don't, when you have two variables, like you don't know how good the offense is and you don't know how healthy he is, that's really tough, especially because they also have um, Benny Snell. Who got and one snap last week. One after, snap, yeah. but we don't know how that changes with Connor's health. So we... He, he, so you have you, to assume that they're going to try to If you don't have Jalen already, make sure you add him. Yeah, add Jalen Samuels, definitely, especially if you have James Conner. Another person you should add, um, Cardinals running back David Johnson. He injured his left wrist. Man, what's up R- with that guy in wrist injuries? It's the same wrist. I think it was the so same one. wrist yeah. injury. Damn. Well, maybe he but got he was hurt. fine, though. He, he re-entered the game, so that's He promising. re-entered the game. Um, yeah, it's the same wrist he fractured in week one of 2017. Uh, but... Johnson hasn't been great even when he's been healthy. He had seven carries, 14 rushing yards, a touchdown. He had one catch for no yards. Backup Chase Edmonds only had one carry for like two yards and two catches for 15 yards. But if Johnson does miss any time, Chase Edmonds would be definitely the person who gets most of those snaps in Arizona. But DK, how valuable are the running back snaps in Arizona right now? Because the defense is so bad, they're never running to begin with. I mean, it's not. it hasn't started out well, certainly, for people that took David Johnson in the first round. I mean... 
the problem is so there's they're definitely gonna they're definitely using him in the passing game, but it's not to the extent that I think people were hoping at least yet. And the game script, I think, for the Cardinals is probably going to dictate, you know, it's gonna be shootouts and or they're gonna be coming from behind a lot just because their defense is not very good. And so far, you know, they've been spreading the field, doing a lot of four receiver stuff, passing a ton. Um, and that just hasn't, and they haven't, when they have run the ball, they have not run it effectively. So, um, overall, I think, you know, right now, David Johnson just has like underperformed based on his ADP and it's a little bit worrisome going forward, whether that will change, even though he's, he is being deployed as a receiver, like a, a significant amount, but there's just a lot of, I guess, mouths to feed in that, in that offense with them running so many four receiver sets and all that. So, um, yeah, it's a little worrisome. And also, Cliff Kingsbury's offense is called the air raid. It's not called the ground raid. It's going to be a little limited for David. So <laughs> very well done, sir. So Thanks, moving on, would you rather have uh, <laughs> David Johnson or James Conner moving forward? That's um, a good question. If Conner comes back, probably still Conner, but I just don't think David Johnson's going to be used at all like we were hoping he would. Maybe that changes. DK. Yeah, I think I lean Conner still. Um, but I mean, it's close. They're both, I guess, just kind of like. I think I'm leaning in David Johnson. I, I guess, well, I guess Connor. Johnson because I guess Connor's knee injury. It's still so murky, and it's. I, I guess that could easily become more of a committee, which I, the Steelers have been loath to do for like five. I years. I think the Cardinals' offense is going to be trending up. That's as the thing. I think they can yeah. only get better, and I think Connor can kind of only get worse. I mean, let's be honest. I think that like Kyler Murray passed a pretty big test on Sunday, playing really well, mm-hmm. or, or at least pretty well against a very good defense. They were in that game. Um I think he's he's definitely shown signs of like positive steps. He's only it's only his second game in the pros, obviously. But yeah, I think actually I, I'm changing my answer to Johnson just because I think that the the Cardinals offense is definitely trending up and I think it's gonna get better as the year goes on. And I think David Johnson's just more talented than James Conner. That's fair. Definitely too, more yeah. talented and probably healthier. So that's about it. But another you know another offense trending up? Kansas City Chiefs. Pretty good, turns Trending out. Trending Not too up, bad. Yes. Um, lots of passing, but not so much running. Uh, they're two top running backs, so Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy both left this game with injury. Um, Williams left first. He had a knee contusion, and uh, LaShawn McCoy then had an ankle injury. Uh, so Darwin Thompson, who's the third-string guy, is was finished the game out. McCoy had 11 carries for 23 rushing yards. Three catches for no receiving yards. He's getting an MRI on his ankle. We don't know the results of that yet. Also, don't really have word on Damian Williams, so we don't really have too much advice here until we know the severity of these injuries. Obviously, if one or even both of them is gone, obviously Darwin Thompson is a a must-add if he's going to get serious playing time in this offense. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, this early when we don't know what's going on, obviously we're recording on Monday afternoon. Um, Darwin Thompson becomes a, like, a lottery ticket type pick. Like, grab him, and if either of those guys end up missing significant time. They are, you know, or or Thompson has really, really elite potential because that offense is just so um, just explosive and it does such a good job of getting the running backs in space and involved in the passing game. Um, Yeah, there's just a ton of potential there. So you want to be, you want to be adding players on the Chiefs, bottom line. Uh, Yeah, and Tried and true. <laughs> Tried and true method. Uh, people also say that about the Buffalo Bills, right? You just mm-hmm. want people in the Bills often. Uh, so Devin Singletary, Bills running back, um, he had a 
great touchdown run, but he tweaked his hamstring in this game. He had six carries for 57 yards and that touchdown. Frank Gore has been out snapping Singletary, getting more touches anyway. Gore has 30 carries this year. Singletary's 10. Singletary's certainly played better, but Gore is better at the little things. Um, and this <laughs> hamstring injury yeah. is not going to be helping his playing time. So, you know, Singletary certainly seemed like he was going to be trending to getting more and more. And now this hamstring injury is going to sap that. T.J. Eldon yeah. could get more snaps, but I don't think I'm adding T.J. Eldon to be getting this backfield. I like Singletary for his explosiveness, but hamstrings are not great for explosiveness. So, yeah. tough look for I mean, Devin. I, I, like, I like Singletary, and I, I'm holding on to him for the year, but this makes him a lot less trustworthy. It's just now yeah, three, I'm, I'm for not, sure. I'm not playing him until he has a good game again because right, a hamstring injury right. for a guy who's explosive is really tough. Um, similarly, I, uh, Michael Gallup on the Cowboys who would – Quick t- sidebar. Do you guys think that this is the best named person in the NFL? Honestly, it might <laughs> Deep be. threat for the Cowboys being named Gallup. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. No one else is close. That's I, why they drafted him. Chef's kiss. Yeah. If you have a better name for a better aptly named person in the NFL, please write that in our the Ringer NFL Show Facebook group. What we if would love to hear from like, you. Like Colt Gallup. Ooh, Colt McCoy is the, probably the best football name of all time. <laughs> yeah, but this pairs with Cowboys, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that's the, the double. Well, be- Colt does. Cowboys like breaking a Colt. Yeah, but he's not on the Colts, I'm saying. Oh, like, well, mm, let's see what you're That's saying. the point. He's on the Cowboys. We're going to come back to this. Uh, <laughs> really good stuff. You know what the, best, yeah. the real best name for your job is? Danny and I, because we're both named Danny. <laughs> so that's like, it's huge. Moving on. All right. So the point is Michael Gallup had the most targets for the Cowboys on Sunday with eight. Six passes, 68 yards, but he left in the fourth quarter. He's getting an MRI on his knee. Um, he's going to, and that was, sorry, had the MRI on his knee. He's now going to have arthroscopic surgery to trim his meniscus, which... I'm not even sure what that means. I don't trim. I, I don't know. That sounds like branding for surgery. Trim the meniscus. I, that, I don't know. But anyway, he's out for two to four weeks. No structural damage. Players do come back from arthroscopic surgery much quicker than it sounds. Um, mm-hmm. So so don't drop him. Yeah. So he'll be out. He'll be out like a month, which opens up an opportunity for Devin Smith, who I kind of had forgotten was still in the NFL. He came in <laughs> uh, former New York Jets second rounder. Had a really good preseason. We came in uh, yesterday, and what did he do? I forgot. Three targets, three catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown. And he caught this long ball that was for a touchdown that was his first catch in like three years, and it was this long touchdown. So he seemed to fill the Gallup role for bits of that game. Yeah, he's like the the outside speed threat. He ran that post for a touchdown. Um, it makes sense that he might fill in for Gallup in the meantime. So he's he's a good guy to just kind of keep in mind that the Cowboys offense is humming right now. Prescott is really dialed in. Um, and so, you know, at the very least, is a guy to have kind of on your bench if you need a flex option because he, he does provide that deep threat that that Gallup was doing for the team. So in the meantime, until Gallup comes back, he's a he's an option for you. Love a good humming offense. Love a good man, hum. Man, they've looked really and, good, right? Yeah, they have. And I, I think the Cowboys... I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I don't feel did bad you? about it. I did, did. you? Uh, wow. The other person that I, I mean, I think Dak is, I mean, Dak leads the league in yards per attempt and all these. He's second in QBR. Yeah, he's unbelievable. And then so the other Kellen person Moore's in that offense, offense is fun, man. Yeah. And the other person in that offense doing really, Randall Cobb um, has been interesting. Five or six targets. He caught, sorry, he caught five or six targets yesterday for 24 yards. Set the pick for that gave Jason Witten a touchdown. So, I mean, I think Cobb could be getting more red zone looks in the future. He's played really well as better Cole Beasley in their slot role. We know mm-hmm. we know we all love slot here. Um, Craig really loves the slot. I sure do. Yeah, you do. Uh, all right, we're going to get into our categories of who we want to pick up this week. But first, we're going to take a quick break. 
Today's episode is brought to you by 20th Century Fox's new film, Ad Astra. You may know it from the Latin phrase, Prospera Ad Astra, which means through hardships to the stars. In this movie, Brad Pitt stars as Roy McBride, an astronaut who travels to the outer edges of the solar system to find his missing father, who disappeared in space years ago. A new discovery suggests Roy's dad is still alive, but he may be leading experiments that threaten our entire universe. It's then up to Roy to save life on Earth by following his father's trail. Ad Astra also stars Tommy Lee Jones, former Harvard offensive tackle himself. Also starring Ruth Nega, Liv Tyler, and Donald Sutherland. Ad Astra was directed by James Gray with cinematographer Hoyta von Hoytema, who previously made Dunkirk and Interstellar. Mm. Uh, I'm, I was thrilled when I realized that they were going to be advertising this today. I am thrilled. I was more excited about the trailer for Ad Astra than any movie <laughs> in 2019 because it's there's a, the trailer has this line where they're just kind of explaining that there's stuff on Mars and they're like, exploration's not always a noble venture. And I'm like, oh, they're right. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, my God. Colonization yeah. in space. Nuts. Ad Astra hits theaters September 20th. All right. While we're here, Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, a defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win, when it is time to celebrate, it is time to crack open a Pepsi. I'm a Giants fan, and there's not much celebrations going on right now, but when I was a young Giants fan growing up in New York, I regularly grabbed for a Pepsi to celebrate every Giants win. When my man Michael Strahan broke the sack record, took down a Pepsi. When the Giants beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 42, Pepsi was there. They also did it again in Super Bowl 46. <laughs> One of the best touchdown celebrations of all time was Giants wide receiver Victor Cruz doing the salsa in the end zone. And then I would imitate him, cracking a Pepsi and eating salsa in my living room. Pepsi was my celebration drink when we drafted Eli Manning, and it will be my celebration drink when we bench Eli Manning and play <laughs> Daniel Jones. <laughs> It's Nothing. We'll also crack a Pepsi in celebration when the Giants pass on Tua Tagovailoa and keep <laughs> Daniel Jones in next year's draft. <laughs> Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, let's move on before we focus on Daniel Jones anymore. We still have a lot of Daniel Jones coming up, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> let's get into our categories. First up, we've got deceiving yards. Um, these are fool's gold. Guys who had big days that some of us are buying, some of us are not. Some divisive people here, uh, like I don't know John Ross. Hmm. So let's get into deceiving. Or actually, we Craig, you want to do a little big picture? It's, it's only two weeks, so it's kind of like a small, slightly bigger picture. But. Yes. Before we get into the week two deceivers, I'd like to take just a quick second to talk about the season long deceivers. The so two far. week long deceivers. <laughs> yeah, I just want to read the the guys top in the charts at their each individual position through two weeks. QB one Lamar Jackson, QB RB one Austin Eckler. Wide receiver one, John Ross, and tight end one, Mark Andrews. So, one, literally zero people predicted this. Maybe Lamar Jackson. Maybe. Who do we believe and who are we deceived by amongst those RB1s? Well, first off, in the words of David Shoemaker, um, our beloved ringer colleague, mm -hmm. I'm going to just say, you know, not to toot our own horn, but toot toot. Uh, <laughs> DK was all about Mark Andrews in the preseason. Mm -hmm. and, I, and Jackson. And Lamar Jackson was yeah. my guy. Literally on the segment, my guy. And you all know my love about John Ross. Yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I was just Ty like searching, weird way to pronounce searching Tyler the old... 
<laughs> the old memory on that. So, I could not remember yeah. that. So this right. is a so, perfect way to talk about John so Ross. Let's, the one yeah, we are most <laughs> deceived by. So probably. I am deceived by John Ross. I'm selling. I'm literally selling John Ross. Like I'm trade. If you have M in any leagues, so I had him on this last week because his two touchdowns in week one were a flea flicker and then a whiffed interception. And then this week, he had four catches for 112 yards and a score. But more than half of those yards came on a 66-yard touchdown that was with 51 seconds in the game. They were down 31 points. Yeah, but— And then he had a—all right. He had a three-catch day for 46 yards (laughs) that then turned into 112 yards and a touchdown. I admit—is this what you're going to say? The targets are real. He's getting more targets. He's a real NFL receiver. This is a case study in why you do not give up on someone— after two years in the NFL, especially if they're a receiver. But he is not the number one wide receiver. He's not even a number one wide receiver. He's like, I, I believe that he may be a decent wide receiver too right now. But if anyone in your league believes that he's like a top 10 receiver for the rest of the season, I'm selling him in a heartbeat. That. Top 20. Even. <laughs> I, I, I would sell him for that price because I think that's a ceiling, not where he ends up. I don't understand the garbage time point when people make fantasy arguments using that in their argument because garbage time is still a part of the football game and it's like Blake Bortles was the QB2 in 2015 all in garbage time for the whole season it doesn't matter <laughs> if you score the points garbage time points it matters count, yes it's the yeah. same thing as a tight game yeah but the goal in garbage time is to just um, not give up big plays and the Niners just can't tackle I understand Ross's speed the whole point is he's going to be able to break things but I think he's a bo- he's still my point is he's still a boom or bust player and there hasn't yeah. been the bust yet. That's all. I'm not disregarding anything that's happened here. I'm not disregarding that Zach Taylor running the Bengals offense after, I mean, Marvin Lewis took over before the Iraq war started. So like a lot's changed. Mm-hmm. And like there was a lot to be modernized about the Bengals offense. But <laughs> having said that, I do not think that we should just erase the first two years where John Ross can just not show up sometimes. And I think that if someone's like, oh, wow, someone who's like obsessed with four yard dash times in your league wants to get in on him. I mean, Ben Glicksman here at the ringer. Obsessed with John Ross. You should if you your league has a Ben Glicksman, trade him to John Ross. Or sorry, trade yeah, I mean, John if Ross. You, if to you're ben. gonna if you're gonna get a treasure trove for him, especially considering AJ Green is gonna be back at some point, go for it. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm hanging on to Ross just because I think there's probably gonna be a lot of garbage time for the Bengals this year, and I think he's got he's like 12th or 13th in air yards so far this season. I mean, they're airing it out to him. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I definitely think if you can get like a, a crazy amount for him, go for it. But I do think he's here to stay as a yeah, fantasy I, factor. I, I, I have no problem keep flexing him um, if you still have him. I'm just like, I the, there will be bust weeks. Do, I do, this is not the new normal. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Ne- moving, another person who, I yeah, this, this is a real worthy conversation for deceiving yards. Demarcus Robinson on the Chiefs. Um, it was no surprise the Chiefs beat the Raiders last week. I mean, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and then the Raiders give up the most points. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, six targets, six catches, 172 yards and two touchdowns. Sure. What do we make of that? <laughs> uh, no idea. I think we all a little bit thought it was going to be McCole Hardman, who also received six targets and had a 72-yard touchdown called back. Um, so, Ugh, brutal. I know, and he looked great too, but it kind of feels like anybody in this offense can hit at any moment. I almost believe that you can start Robinson, Kelsey, Hardman, Watkins, you should start all of them every week. I kind of think that until Tyreek Hill comes back. Oh, I mean, oh I'm, man, yeah. I, oh. I'm buying this Chiefs offense, man. They all. I mean, I Watkins yeah. played 92 percent of snaps. Robinson played 91 percent. Kelsey 85 percent. Hardman 73 percent. Like they're all playing the whole game. We were going to talk about this later. I think we should just do it now, DK. The, sure. Do you think that the Chiefs offense is 
So the whole conversation around Mahomes and the Chiefs offense coming to the season was Mahomes was historically great. The Chiefs offense was historically great. And his, history says historically great offenses drop from best among all teams ever to merely among the best in the league the following season. And that the Chiefs would still be an elite team, but not like 50 passing touchdowns, maybe like <laughs> 38 for Mahomes this year. And right. as your editor Riley McAtee wrote for the ringer.com on Sunday, Mahomes is better than he was through the first two weeks last year. So <laughs> do you think that the Chiefs are actually just breaking football? I mean, yeah, I, I think they're perfectly constructed to win with Mahomes' skill set and things like that. Like, obviously, they've got a ton of speed on their offense. Um, they've managed to sort of replace Tyreek Hill seamlessly with their other speed guys. Mahomes has been playing with a with a with a bum ankle, right? Like he he sprained his ankle early on in the first game, and he still managed to do what he's doing. They also had a few plays called back that would have like boosted his numbers, and um, which already look amazing. So through two games in 2018, Mahomes had a 69% completion percentage, uh, 582 passing yards, 10.6 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, and zero picks. Through two games this year, 71%, so that's a little bit better, 821 yards, <laughs> which is way better, 10.6 yards per attempt, just about the same, seven touchdowns, zero ints. So he's still Did on Did you just call pace. an interception an int? Yeah, you get mad at me about that a lot. No I, one does shorthand. That. This is shorthand. I just read what I got on the doc here. But um, really, Ron Burgundy? <laughs> if you put it in front of me, I'll read it, man. <laughs> well, be careful. We'll test that. I love Rashad Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Don't God. Don't you dare. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, Mahomes is on pace for 6,500 yards, 56 touchdowns. The yes. NFL records are 5,400 yards and 55 touchdowns. So um, he is a freak. I mean, he's just, yeah. I he's mean, already started hotter than he did last year. I mean, um My one of the week I, before yeah. Roethlisberger and Breeze, the severity of their injuries was no, that was that he had 313 passing yards at halftime again because he did it in <laughs> week one as well. And then also that the Chiefs had a first quarter score for like an NFL record, like 22 games. And they were held scoreless. And then they had 28 points in the second quarter. And he had like 278 or so of his yards in the second quarter. I think if the after Chiefs, the first scoreless first one. If the Chiefs were only allowed one offensive half per game, <laughs> I think they'd still go like 10 and 6. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good bit. Oh my God. Wow. That's a good one. So let's circle back to Craig's original question though, DK. Like, do you think you could reasonably plug anyone from their offense and just hope? Or if you plug into Marcus Robinson right now, you're just like, you're going to be doomed for next week. I mean, there's a little bit, there's obviously a little bit of boom bust um, in any of these guys. I mean, we put a lot of faith in Sammy Watkins last week. He ended up having 13 targets, which was I think second or third most among any players. But he just didn't, you know, there was a few misses there and it didn't happen. I just think there's an element of boom bust with any player. Um, I'm buying this offense just because they can score way more points than anyone. They can sc- and they can throw the ball all over the field. I mean, I started Hardman in one of my leagues um, basically just because I was like, this is going to be fun. Like, let's see what happens. Hardman is super fast. He's in a really perfect offense for his skill set. And it paid off, and I was like super pissed because he actually had that 72-yard touchdown called back on a kind of an iffy holding call. So I don't know, man, I think just like the ceiling for these guys is outstanding. Um, and just in that offense, you can expect their, you know, you can expect fireworks every week. So, um, I'm, 
I'm pretty comfortable starting both Hardman and Robinson going forward. Not not on the same team necessarily, but like either of those guys, if you got them, go ahead and start them. Damn! Wow. Deploy Didn't them all. Expect that. Just yeah, deployed. You can't ask for a better situation for like a guy you just picked up off the off the waiver wire, right? Like this is the perfect situation for them. That was the perfect situation. You also had a perfect situation. Nelson Aguilar streaking down the sideline on Sunday Night Football <laughs> and just like getting a ball delivered oh. full sprint into his chest. The best Brutal. throw Carson Wentz had all night, and he just dropped it, and I felt really bad for him. I was he, so happy he caught the deep ball, though, and kind of made up for it. Yeah, and then they lost, so yeah, it's like yeah. this weird, like he made it. Yeah, it's tough. Anyway, how do you feel about Nelson Aguilar? I mean, Deshaun Jackson's out. Jeffrey's out. Do you, Aguilar had drop issues that almost ended his career, and then he dropped this ball, but he's been playing really well, right. so... Uh, you like Aguilar? Would you would you would you start Aguilar if either Jackson or Jeffrey can't go this week? I mean, I think he's, yeah. I mean, he's a fine flex option off the waiver wire if he's there in your league or whatever. Um, I don't feel super confident about it just because there's so many mouths feeding that offense, and Ertz is like the one, the guy that's going to get like the most focus from from Wentz in that offense. And I also kind of like JJ Arcega Whiteside, um, you know, but to potentially kind of fill some of those opportunities going forward if those two if Jackson and Jeffrey were to miss time so I don't love it but it's you could find worse situations <laughs> totally there are worse situations speaking of worse situations uh let's go to the guy you're not supposed to worry about uh you know it's a worse situation DK the New York football giants <laughs> so we don't have to dwell on this too long. Lord knows I don't want to dwell on this too long. But basically, Patch, I mean, Eli Manning was abysmal. And there's no shame in getting carved up by Josh Allen. But there is shame in how poorly Eli Manning played. Pat Shermer asked on Monday about benching Manning for Daniel Jones. And Pat Shermer said, quote, he's been our starter to this point. I'm not ready to talk about that. Uh, Giants fans are ready hmm. to talk about hmm. that. They should play Daniel Jones. <laughs> Um, Giants are 0-2. 90% of 0-2 teams don't make the playoffs. This team has nothing going on. I think Daniel Jones plays sooner rather than later. I actually think it's bad news for Saquon Barkley. I mean, Saquon Barkley had like ripped off a 50-yard run, did very little after it. I, I mean, I think it's bad for everyone in this offense, but it's going to happen sooner than later. I think I'm, I'm interested also to see how it happens to Evan Ingram, but I think all the New York Giants, if you have any Giants stock, I wouldn't be shocked if... I would love for Daniel Jones to be good, but I have a little hope, and I think it happens within three weeks. I'm t- I'm rooting for Jones to start. I think it's going to be fun. I mean, like I was really low on him in the draft in the pre-draft process, like a lot of people. Um, but he kind of won me over in the preseason. I mean, he just looked confident and poised, and you know, competent. Which you can't say the same necessarily about Eli Manning anymore. I, I just think it gives him a chance to actually be interesting. Um, he's also like way more athletic than I think people give him credit for. He was a really good runner at Duke. Uh, um, he gives them sort of this poor man's Josh Allen ability to scramble and things like that. I think it would just make them way more interesting, way more fun. I do think it could improve honestly um, some of the guys around him. Pretty uh, impressive for Josh Allen to hardly have a poor man's version of him. You would have never thought that. <laughs> well, would he's happen. the rich man's. Ver- he's the rich man's version of Josh Allen because he has paid more money because he was drafted higher in the draft, so he has more money than Josh Allen. Get out of here. Um, but it, anyways, and, I'm just rooting for it. Ever since they booed him at Yankee Stadium, I'm like, okay, I kind of, I, I kind of hope he does well now. I, I look, I, you know what? I said I wouldn't dwell, but here we are dwelling. Um, the Giants played Bucks, <laughs> Washington, Vikings, Patriots, Cardinals. It would be absolute malpractice if the Giants gave his first start against the Vikings or the Patriots. Uh, Sounds so, like they'll do that. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's when it'll happen. Um, so they kind of either have to get him in Giants in the next two weeks. Practice? What? 
But basically, it's like they have to start him in the next two weeks, wait a month, and then play him against the Cardinals October 20th. But you're right. They'll probably just throw him to the Wolves against Mike Zimmer's (laughs) double A-gap blitz defense, followed by Bill Belichick looking as like destroying... Like the desk, like the only thing that's ever taken anything from him, which is the New York Giants. <laughs> but my God. What um, if he just destroys Daniel Jones' wait, confidence what if, forever? What, what if Bill yeah. Belichick is so mad? Like he wants this Patriots team to go 15 and 1 instead of 16 and 0. So he throws a game with Daniel Jones as the Giants quarterback <laughs> to make him look really good and be like an end Eli Manning's career because <laughs> he's so mad at Eli Manning. <laughs> I don't think he. Need, I don't think Eli needs any help. To be honest, <laughs> that was really painful. All right, let's. Sorry. <laughs> moving on. Um, another team that ran into the Patriots buzzsaw: Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> we talked about Juju earlier, but James Washington and Deontay Johnson have seemed to be coming for Dante Moncrief's job for the number two role. So, DK, what's going on there? Yeah, I mean the Moncrief experiment. I think in Pittsburgh is. Not going well. It could be coming to an end pretty quickly here. In week one, he caught three of ten targets for seven yards with a drop. Um, not super efficient. And then week two, he only saw one target, and it went through his hands, bounced off his helmet, and landed in the hands of a Seahawks defender. So uh, not a great start for one of the teams. Um, I wouldn't say he's maybe one of their top free agent additions, but one that we thought might have a big role in the offense. Um, especially going now from Roethlisberger to Rudolph, who played alongside James Washington in college. Um, obviously, they have a very good connection. They've shown that in the preseason. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see if the Steelers start to lean on James Washington and um, potentially even rookie Deontay Johnson, who started has started to get more snaps in the past, in the past two games. Um, or I should say he's he's – making progress in working his way into the starting lineup with uh, Moncrief's or struggles or whatever. So um, going forward, I think you could see it just be a three receiver set with uh, Juju Washington and Deontay Johnson. Um, You know, maybe that's a few games down the line, but I think those two guys are are people to watch right now. I have a piece of trivia for both of you. So go, what's that pro football focus charts, their own drops. So they do drop percentage based on how many catchable balls you've had. Do you know mm-hmm. who leads the league in drop percentage? I would. Is it Moncrief? Yes, it is Moncrief. But do you know who <laughs> leads the league in just drops and so, is second in drop percentage? Dante Moncrief. John Ross. <laughs> just so yeah. you know. Mm, All right. Mm. Now I feel like I we've won. moved past Ross, Danny. Come on. <laughs> All right, Craig, who's uh, who's the guy you're not supposed to worry about for you? Uh, Raheem Mostert has pretty much split carries with Matt Breda now that Tevin Coleman's been out with an ankle injury. And I, if he's not owned in your league, you should definitely grab him now. He looks really good, but kind of so does Breda. Both these guys actually look pretty spry and agile. So does Jeff Wilson. Yeah, hell. Uh, <laughs> all of them all of them are undrafted free agents, by the way. Breda had 12 carries for 121 yards. Mostert had 13 carries for 83, plus 68 yards receiving and a touchdown. He had a touchdown no, look, called back running, also. The reason they have running backs pop up out of nowhere is the same reason Nick Mullins was fine, which is anyone in Kyle Shanahan's mm-hmm. system is fine if they're all competent. And Mostert played 46% of the snaps to Breida's 30 and Wilson Jr.'s 22. So uh, I think Breida and Mostert are both extremely competent flex plays next week. My one fear with this is that they're it's hard to predict what they're going to do, but 259 rushing yards yeah. was, oh my God, against the Bengals. That was wild. Next up, we got what's on streaming? So for, you know, all you cord cutters out there, here are streaming recommendations, which 
I mean, first, obviously, Seinfeld, which is on Netflix. Big news. Huge news. Mm. I binged it all on Hulu already, but I'll yeah, do it wow. again. So you're going <laughs> to switch from Hulu to Netflix now? I got them both. Wow, look at you. Craig rolling in the dough. Uh, DK, who's your stream for this week? Oh, man. It's painful to say this, but Jason Witten is a thing Yeah, still, we have apparently. a mea culpa here. The 37-year-old has now caught two touchdowns in two games. Now, he's not like getting a lot of targets or you know, necessarily picking up chunk yardage. He had three catches for 15 yards and a touchdown in week one, four catches, 25 yards in week two. But, uh, I mean, it's pretty clear that that Prescott is looking to him as a dump-off option. They found him in the red zone a couple of times um, against the Dolphins in particular. I think he has streamable um, value going like this week just because of what we've seen from the Dolphins the last couple of weeks. The way you said the 37-year-old. Wait, Jim, how old are you? Jim's 37. You want to take that back, DK? Uh, I mean, I'm 36, and like the way that I feel, I don't think I could play in the NFL. So <laughs> I agree. Um, I'm also going with against the Dolphins. I have the Cowboys defense to stream this week. Um, Cowboys defense has only allowed 38 points this year. It's the fewest in the NFC. It's the fourth fewest in the whole league. They're playing the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins have allowed 92 more points than they've scored, which is the fourth biggest point differential through two weeks ever. And Ryan Fitzpatrick will start, according to Brian Flores. So the Cowboys defense Pick is owned. Six machine. Yeah, I, I know, it. right? So the Cowboys defense is owned in less than 38% of ESPN leagues. So you should fix that and play him because the Patriots had like 30 plus points, depending on defensive scoring last week. So do that. <laughs> and then the real question is, DK, I mean, the real question is, are the Dolphins so bad that you should just be comfortable if you need a streaming option to plug and play whoever they're playing, no matter what? Generally speaking, yes, I think so. Every year, there's like some team that's so bad out of the gate that we're like, oh my God, could this team go in 16? And then they like get close and it's like, could this team lose to Alabama or Clemson? <laughs> Talent-wise, this is the closest we've come to a truly not NFL team. They not, wouldn't actually lose to a college team. And they're team. getting rid of every player every that's week. That's the thing. Is the like. players want off already. There's not resilience. They're like, that this is actually why you can't Kenyon take Drake, in the NFL. Kenyon Drake, Fitzpatrick, they're just This is why you guys. can't tank is because the, the players want off already. It's, it's wild. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally down to stream anyone against the Dolphins. That's you basically, when in doubt, it's more than a tiebreaker. It's I would target it every week. Um, unbelievable. I mean, holy cow. It's just... And both, of, both of their quarterbacks, whether it's Fitz, Fitzpatrick or, uh, or Josh Rosen, I mean, both of those guys are just interception machines. They've so, already yeah. given up more than a thousand yards. That's wild. Um, all right, DK, let's, we're going to wrap this up. Hot take yeah. of the week. Let's take us out. Actually, no, Craig, you start. Hot take <laughs> of the week. All right. My hot take of the week. We all remember Melvin Gordon, right? Whatever. Until Melvin Gordon returns, <laughs> Austin Whatever. Eckler will be the overall running back one in the National Football League. Did you just see that he was the number one through two weeks and you're like, oh yeah, I'm just, this will be my hot take of the week? Actually, no. I did that and then looked him up and went, holy hell, he's the number one overall running back? I got to see who the other ones are. And it was all random people and I was like, this is worth mentioning. And that's how my brain works. I'm always always down for insight into how your brain works. So, so just wait, week curious. nine, Melvin Gordon will come back. Austin Eckler's going to be number one. Well, you know what? Eckler's awesome. He's, a, he, like, he's a, such an explosive pass catcher. He leads too, running backs him. in touchdowns, receptions, and receiving yards. Yeah. Is that good? It's pretty good. Decent. Uh, my hot take of the week, I still have a hot take anymore because I Cowboys, Cowboys are going to be in the Super Bowl, man. Wow. Cowboys are the best team in football. Wow. Other than the Patriots, Who are they playing so, in the Super Bowl? I had Chiefs, and now I obviously that was before many things happened. But, you know, I'm still sticking with it. Chiefs, Cowboys, no reason to change. Pretty good. 
DK, you got a hot take? We, we stepped on take. your hot take because it was about Mahomes. You got another one? Yeah, my hot take was just that Mahomes is better this year than it was last year, which I don't even, it's not even really that hot. That's lukewarm. I mean, it's that's just, not, yeah, yeah that's, that, you have some very cold, uh, you, you got your so, hot take for us? Anything off the cuff uh, right now? <laughs> I mean, Craig was saying before the show that we had to mention Rashad Penny, so. <laughs> I regret asking. Thank you. Um, just, my hot take is that. Penny stinks. I don't know. It's not that hot actually either. But this is our um, new category. Craig, Penny, for, you'd, you'd, Penny for Craig's Craig. Thoughts. You'd, how about this, Craig? You say your hot take is that Penny is better than Carson, right? Uh, it's not a take. It's a fact. <laughs> San Diego State <laughs> alum, Craig. All right, guys. DK, thank you. Craig, thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, a defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. I cannot wait to crack open a Pepsi when Daniel Jones leads the Giants to a stunning, thrilling comeback win over the New England Patriots later this season. That will taste delicious. Almost as delicious as Pepsi. Pepsi the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating.